0: But when's it when's the uh baby due?
1: Um the baby is due in um when is it? It's in October, the end of October.
0: All
1: right. So I got a little while.
0: Yeah, start stashing up shows.
1: Yeah. I don't know if we'll see it. Maybe the baby won't in- impact my show.
0: You uh-huh. are such a dumbass. You know that, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> You are such in denial. <laughs>
1: Well, I was so you know I I, I mean I know it's going to impact work a little bit. I'm going to take a little time. A little bit.
0: It. Take a, yeah. All these you're going to have a whole new definition of little. Okay. <laughs> so just forget it.
1: Welcome to Developers Hangout, a podcast for developers by developers, a place where we get together as often as possible and discuss a wide range of topics from the books we're reading to the latest news and commentary on other tech podcasts. I'm Nathan Kirschbaum and joining
0: me is Hey, this is Al Nutilli. Hey
1: Al. Hey. All
0: right. Twice in one month, we're rocking. Right? Yeah, back on track here. What do we have? Uh, <laughs> what do we have going on today? So today's topic is just going to be um, how you know using cues because um, it, it's a nice way to do a lot of different things in your code, but it can be a little bit intimidating at first to yeah. start using cues.
1: Definitely, and there's some interesting
0: tools we'll talk about
1: too that help take what used to be kind of complex and uh, simplify it quite a bit. Yeah, Uh, So that'll be exciting. Uh, Before we get into that, though, let's jump into news and other happenings out there in the world. Um, What do you have for us this week?
0: Uh, So the first tool I want to suggest is uh, Copied. It's a copy and paste everywhere by Kevin Chang. And (laughs) it works on iOS apps. And it's just a nice way to do multiple keyboard, uh, sorry, multiple clipboard. Uh, items from your um, paste history, so nice. you can inside of iOS when you're typing, you could pull up other stuff you've copied into. The oh folder. wow, that's really cool. iOS is yeah, it's very limited, but this helped a lot with little things. Yeah,
1: I've wanted, I've, I've actually wanted that uh, in the past. I didn't know it existed. That's really cool. Yeah, um, yeah. Actually, on a, a slight side note, do you, you, do you use, do you have a terminal application in your iPhone? I'm not, not on the iPhone, but okay. on the
0: iPad, actually code is pretty cool code is um uh you can set it up to not only be an ide but it has a terminal uh tab hmm. so you can actually do terminal work in coda there's other terminal solutions in um uh, ios but code is nice because code allows me to also edit code which is why i'm basically on a server to begin with not a real server right. like i shouldn't be on production editing code but it's a nice way to have a remote dummy server set up to do some work Huh. Uh, when I'm when I'm on, but I I never really push it. I just don't like you know my MacBook froze about the same size as my iPad by now. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. That
1: makes sense. I was just curious if it came to mind because I the other day I had a use case where I was like, man, I wish I could SSH into the server from yeah. my
0: phone. Yeah, but, from the phones. Yeah, same idea. But yeah, that's insane on the phone. I've done it before, but <laughs> uh, yeah. Um all right cool. So I
1: w- one thing I wanted to bring up this week and it's a bit of a um a a plug, a shameless plug for Al. Uh and actually if you watched our la- I think it was our last podcast, <laughs> a shameless
0: plug for a free tool that I make no money on. <laughs> That's so true. That so I guess plug.
1: it shouldn't be shameless. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um all right. Well, anyway, if you looked if you listened to some of our previous uh podcasts, the last one or two I think, um this was hinted at at least, uh, and, and, and discussed at least in terms of the name. Um, but Al's made significant, uh, progress on it. It's turned from an idea into something. Uh, so it's, it, this, I'm, what I'm going to link to is actually a video, which is, um, Al's introduction video, um, about pickle. Uh, pickle is a BDD layer on top of dusk and PHP unit, Uh, But Al, why don't, why don't you take like, you know, whatever you want, like 30 seconds and just tell, what's the deal
0: with this? Well, we like using Gherkin or BDD at work, but um, we use Behat and it is nice, but it sometimes can be slow or a different way of doing things than we're used to. Um, Because we're on Laravel, uh, uh, the person who made Laravel, Taylor Outwell, released Dusk, which is a basically does what we want to do in Behat, which is um, it's a Chromium-based or Chrome-based um, UI testing, um, you know, piece of the puzzle. So now we can do all of our uh, integration testing uh, or inside testing in, in PHP unit and then do our our, um, our UI testing as well. So, um, so Pickle uh, was just my effort to say, okay, I really like Gherkin. And uh, I really like writing in that style, and I really like making this one feature file that maybe a product owner can read and use to realize we're we're doing what they want. Um, And it can drive both the inside test and the outside test, and it's really nice uh, just workflow for me. Uh, So Pickle just takes that file and converts it to a PHP unit uh, feature test or integration test and then to a PHP unit um, browser test. Uh, It's funny saying PHP unit in all of that because it seems so... um, uh, uh, like it contradicts. It's not a unit test, but it's using PHP Unit right. uh, to do this. But it's funny we've moved away from thinking like PHP Unit's just for unit tests. It's like for everything, honestly. Um, yeah. So, so yeah,
1: that's really cool. I'm excited to play with it a little bit. Um, yeah. I think right now is it does it work with older apps or is it like five? Right. You know, right?
0: It could. It basically it can it can it's a global install, so it doesn't care what you run. But the moment you tell it to build you a browser-based test, um, it, it just doesn't it, – it puts it into a browser folder, but you, your system isn't designed to run from there. Gotcha. Right? But if you say, hey, just make a uh, domain test or integration test, it will put it in the into a feature folder that your PHP unit will pick up and run just fine. Nice. Um, you might have to change the, um, the test case because uh, it relies on uh, the internal test case, but the path name – change from 5.3 to 5.4. It would be interesting to add a switch to it that just says, you know, uh, 5.3 or, or non Laravel or something. Cause it can yeah. work with anything right. if the configuration is right.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. I wonder if Dusk is so dependent on 5.4 features and, and built into Laravel 5.4 that it's not going to be backported to anything previous.
0: I don't know. I don't think it's like that, but it's a good point. Um it's a really good point. I think Dusk is uh if you look it's not much different than what we've been doing. It's just done differently, the folder layouts and everything else, but mm-hmm. it, it is interesting why would he not make it backwards compatible except to say if that was the only difference. So I'm assuming like what you're saying is true, but I just don't know. Yeah. Um so uh I, you know, it's yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a nice workflow, though, honestly. It's really fast, and uh, you get that nice effect of running against a, a BDD file and, right. and running both types of tests. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the next thing I want to link to or talk about is the GitHub move to GraphQL with their version 4. Um, and So I'll put a link in the show notes, but yeah, just GitHub talking about using GraphQL, and it's a way to basically make an API that... The client controls what they want to query from it, not you. Of course, you can limit them and you can make it secure. Uh, Laravel already has this feature available, so there's plugins to make GraphQL work really well in, in Laravel as well. So it's it's nice. It's it's an interesting way to think about APIs, honestly.
1: Yeah, really cool. Yeah, um, yeah. I've been meaning to get into that a little bit and haven't. You, you told me about that a while ago. I'm excited though. It seems like um, it seems like a really flexible option. Um, all right, so uh, yeah. uh another thing I wanted to bring up um to kind of round off our our news and other happenings is just some recent news you know one one so early earlier on in the podcast and we've talked about it here and there um we talked about remote work and uh you know both al and I work remotely uh from our from our homes or remote locations and um some interesting thing in the news uh recently within the last few days is that um IBM which is uh kind of has spear was really they, they really spearheaded kind of like uh the push into remote work for developers um and 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 kind of uh, not just spearheaded it but also kind of like advocated for for it uh, vigorously for many many years um and and is really like the model that people point to as why why it can work um they have gone back on that and they're actually uh, you telling thousands of their employees or remote employees that they either need to come back to the office or the, go find new jobs. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. I mean, maybe it's just a big mistake. There's a few articles out there, you know, arguing both ways. Um, but you know, since Al and I work on remote teams and, and, and almost everyone we work with on a day-to-day basis is remote teams, I thought it actually would be interesting, like to think about if, yeah. You know, like it. What What are some of the big? And maybe this is a topic for another episode, honestly. But like, now yeah. that we've been doing this for a while, we've been doing this for years now. And both Al and I used to work in like, you know, real like a uh, you know physical shops, like a uh, dev shops. Al used to own one. Um, it's it's uh, I, it would be fun to to learn what your thoughts are, Al, on yeah. like you know retrospective on working remotely with a team for a couple years now.
0: Yeah, no, I think we should make a whole show out of it and uh, just kind of take both sides, review this IBM p- notice, and, and maybe take a few others and, and see if we can assess both sides. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have pros and cons to it, and uh, I, neither one is perfect. And uh, there's a lot of... Um, those guys from Basecamp wrote a couple of good books about it, too. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of angles to look at it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, we should definitely do that. I put it in the notes for uh, coming back to another show right because uh, it's so it's a big topic it's, it's an interesting article though. i'm looking forward to reading it
1: yeah all right so let's um let's dive into the main section of the show here uh so cues why the heck do i need to care about a cue
0: yeah i mean uh so i spoke at uh, the nerd conference recently and uh just uh, laravel and um just trying to introduce Laravel to some people and how, like, when you think about it, all a framework is is handling a request and giving a response. And one of those um, request-response patterns was a queue. Uh, so it just reminded me, and, and people started talking about it, like, it's, it seems to be a, something we don't talk about enough or a pattern that maybe a lot of people don't know about. Yeah. Um, so basically the queue is, is a place we can um, put messages in, and anything can get the message that is allowed to. Um so um what we'll do is we'll go down um some use cases how to implement it and some gotchas. Uh, so by the time we're done hopefully um people who don't really know about queues and how to use them will will you know think twice and give it a try. Uh and others who have been using it well you can always write in and tell us what we missed or where we're wrong. Um so <laughs> but basically yeah um for me uh cues became uh, a, necess- a a need about a couple like two two years ago maybe three i was doing a project where there's a long a uh, lot of processes i need to kick off and run in the background um people would either do it in the ui or i'd schedule them um so uh i had to in- start using queues, and i was in drupal at that time uh so there weren't easy solutions um i, I did find something that worked really well and it- i don't know if it was easy but i definitely wasn't well known and um uh, so that solved my problem. I just realized, wow this is a really great way to solve uh, many problems um when, when's the first time you think you used a queue
1: um it was pro- It was probably about two years ago, and I think my first foray, I mean aside from doing so 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 queues have evolved quite a bit over the last i don't know three or four years i mean I, i'm sure they've been around actually much longer than that, but the in terms of accessibility to the, the yeah. everyday developer yeah. um you know even even 3 or 4 years ago you were um you know to to the the what you had to set up on the server in order to Uh, monitor and run the queues and make sure that if, uh, you know, so typically what will happen is you'll have a a daemon running on the queue uh, on the server that is, that is check, you know, checking the queue at a set interval. And if there's a job in the queue, it'll take it off and process the queue. And it has all kinds of stuff built into it that manages, um, you know, uh, how, when to get another one, when to release a job, those types of things. And, that used to be quite quite a bit to, uh, to deal with. You had to install special software and, um, the visibility into it was, was challenging. Um, and I played around with it a little bit, like, you know, Beanstalk was a Beanstalk was a a solution for queues. Um, and that, that was a, at the time it was a really good solution, but it didn't have like a great UI. And so you could, you, you know, get good visibility into your queues. Um, and it was uh, more, com- it wasn't too bad to set up, but it was more, definitely more complex than, um, what we have available today. So, uh, my first time getting to answer your question, my first time really getting into queues, uh, for a real life project, uh, we actually, um, started doing some experimenting with rabbit and iron, uh, which are yeah. providers that host queues and provide kind of a framework around queues, um, and so, yeah, that was about two years ago, I would say. And it was a similar thing where we just had, uh, you know, we just had a bunch of jobs that needed to run. We I think we were processing PDFs or something at the time. Oh, and yeah, yeah. and we needed to, you know, th- this could take anywhere from 30 seconds to, you know, 10 minutes depending on the size and the number of pages and things like that and, that we were yeah. doing. Uh, so it just wasn't possible to have a user sit there in the window um, yeah.
0: and yeah. wait. No, no, why bother? Even just yeah. sending emails. So. Yeah, let's dive into use cases. Um, one of my favorite use cases, parallel uh, processing or parallel tasks. Um, so I found this, this just fascinates me, is that I can put 100 to 1,000 jobs in a queue or whatever, and I can have that many um, instances or workers, uh, as we call them, wake up and process that job. So to me, that was amazing with queues, is that I could take this this batch process and run it. Uh, not only just one at a time where it still takes a while, but in many in parallel, and that that was fascinating.
1: Yeah, and the thing to note there is like you can, and as you get into it, you'll kind of play with the right settings for you. But there's, um, you know, so not only do you get to control the number of uh, processes that are running for a given queue on a server, but you could all you can also set up kind of auto scaling or other policies where. You know, cause you might have like really serious, like processing that needs to happen. Like maybe you can only run 10 jobs at a time on a given yeah. server or a given yeah. instance. Um, and so you can do things like uh, monitor the queue levels and say, you know, when there's more than a hundred items in this queue, let's spin up another worker and, you know, you can do any kind of logic you want. So you could spin up 10 more workers. And like Al was saying, process
0: thousands and thousands of, um, yeah. of jobs in parallel. Yeah, we we did uh, we used Iron for a while to do that, and then we realized you could do it uh, in in AWS. So yeah, it's really fun to think about as you're building right. things the ability uh, to do that. Right,
1: and that's actually another good a good thing to point out for people who are just getting into queues is that. You can look at queues and queuing as kind of and 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 service providers as kind of like a standalone bucket, if you will, of like you know uh, or you know this is where you drop your jobs. It's a queue, um, yeah. but there but there all there is also services um, like Iron where they basically uh, you can actually upload your own code and they support many uh, like types of code. So we were using PHP, but PHP. Uh, but you could use others um, where they will actually do the processing. On their um, infrastructure, um, so that might be appealing to you if you, what you're doing is kind of simple. It doesn't it doesn't re- uh, require a lot of um, specialized hardware or specialized software. Um, that's where we started running into issues. Is once we needed to start dealing with like machine learning, some machine learning libraries, some Python libraries, and some more advanced setups. Uh, that kind of like pre built product didn't work for us so well. And we, as Al was mentioning, we ended up needing to move on to to using um, AWS uh, for more control um, primarily.
0: But yeah. yeah. Well, and that brings into another topic is you can connect two different languages with a queue. We had PHP ah, right. taking an API request and then building the, the, um, the payload needed to then tell the Python code what it needed to do. And so with PHP and Laravel, we could build out the API and everything else we're used to the way we want to. Uh, and then put that JSON payload into a queue for Python to pick up, right. uh, making them instantly, basically, um, compatible languages or compatible technologies. Right. Uh, all thanks to the queue. It's it's just brilliant for that. Uh, and then they join with that JSON language. It's really neat. Right. Um, so that helped us a lot, too, because you could have two different teams working on two different languages and, and just agree on a JSON format, like keys right. and values and, and everything there. Right. And you can test off of that too and and, and and that's one thing too is we could build one system and test it and build the other system and test it in parallel, and you know they're going to work if that contract remains true right uh, so you don't have to run one and watch the other one pick up the contract to know it's working it, It's really fascinating to to think in such like separation right. Um, another one is splitting up uh service workload. We kind of mentioned that already, but now just realize like, Hey, this server can only do so much. We don't want to slow down the UI for the user. We'll just put it onto the other server and let the other service, uh, it could just be another server sitting there getting jobs off a of queue, right? Yeah. Nothing complex. Uh, or like, uh, Nathan was saying, it could be iron, you know, it just, uh, there's so many, there, there's just so you can keep it so simple or you just do it later on. The queue gets picked up at night. Yeah. So.
1: That's really good um, the other thing that the other thing that it allows potential for is um, well it kind of forces you as a developer to consider se- separations of concern um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know which is not a reason you would do it but it is a nice byproduct um, and if you do follow that logic um, it actually can um later help you kind of break your app up if into a microservice and make that not so it's not such a daunting task because you've already essentially thought in that way um and in yeah. fact at least yeah. you know at least i'm sure at least in php and laravel the way that you would go about programming queues, um it lends itself quite well to uh to to you know, splitting that off into a separate API at the, you know, if at some point it needed that right. or was appropriate. Well, a
0: separate API is a funny thing we throw around, but basically a separate responsibility. Like right. You're saying. Yeah. And that goes to the next topic or now that I moved to the next one is like, it prevents that, that, that habit of database sharing. Right. So by doing this process, you can say, Hey, this class is going to get this job off the queue and do this different process. And later on, without any much work at all, you can then separate those two things. So you can now say, my web application is here, it's putting this job in the queue, and my other application that now has that class and gets jobs off the queue can run it. Right. And the separation is, is so minor. And, and, and you just get out of that less, less ideal habit of sharing a database between applications. Yeah, definitely.
1: And that can be tempting. You have to be careful too, though, because like I know... Um, I've seen it happen before where when you're, when you're, when you're in discussions, it's sometimes it seems easier to, to share that database. Um, oh, no, no, but it's, sure. it's never easier, yeah. and, but,
0: but it, I totally agree with you. I, I think one thing we're, we're saying though, too, at the same time, is like, yeah, it's, it's easy to, uh, over design, right? right? So we're saying you're not over designing here. You're still keeping it as simple as sharing a database, right? but in the end, you're you're, you're, you're able to move away as quickly without all the complexities of untangling that data. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Right. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, it never works. Right. Um, in simple things you mentioned to sending mail, well, the person doesn't need to wait at their website for them to get an email. You just say, Hey, it's, it's in the queue. Talk to you later. Right.
1: And that's actually an important thing to mention, like for simple stuff, Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you don't, you know, so we were talking about, you know, you could use AWS, you could use iron, you could use rabbit. There's, there's a bunch of services out there. Um, or you can, you can kind of use your own, uh, you can, you can actually still use, um, all the, the software that I mentioned earlier today, um, Beanstalk, you can still use that It works well. Um, but, uh, Laravel actually ships with a, uh, default queue driver, which is just the database. And for things for simple things like sending mail or minor background tasks, um, oh, yeah. it's great, and it's just a couple commands on the command line, and you're running it, and it handles everything um, all through the database. Uh, a, ca- a caveat: one caveat there is I have I have run into issues when you're doing thing where you're dealing with thousands of items on the queue yeah. um, when you're yeah. when you have a lot of different kind of like processing or interactions. I've ended up running into like SQL errors uh, for various reasons. All of them could be worked through, but ultimately yep. when you get to something more complex, you're probably going to want to look to AWS yep. or one of the other solutions, even just for like the simple
0: queuing uh, functionality. We'll cover more of that in the how to implement, but totally, totally. And I, gotcha. some, I added that thing about the database. That's a really good point. Yeah. I, was, I forgot even to mention that one. Yeah. Um, So the uh, importing files, like I've had uh, websites where they're uploading a huge file. Uh, I have to process all of it. The user doesn't want to sit there. Uh, So just say, hey, got your file. I'll notify you in a moment. And you can notify them via pusher. You can notify them via email or whatever. But the point is you can go do that job and not wait for them, right? Yeah. That's just awesome to me. I mean, again, this is simple stuff. But for some reason, it's really, um, for for me, it's it's just that level of like, it gives us that level of freedom to create these things that otherwise could be difficult. Yeah. So the the next one, I mean, we're still got a couple more use cases to go. Um, <clears throat> the next one I'll, is it just mentions S3. That is basically how, and we'll go into more details. Like you can actually integrate S3 with your queue work as well uh, if your payloads to the queue are too big. But we'll cover that more and how to implement um, a database buffer. That was an interesting one with that one project I made with incomings. Right. Um, I used the queue as a database buffer. And that incomings could have thousands of, if I ever got that busy, jobs coming in. And I didn't want the database to have to deal with that. So I just dumped them in the queue. And then I had like 10 daemons running to get the jobs off the queue. Right. Uh, so that was a nice way for me to say, hey, I don't really care how big the load is coming in. I can handle it uh, and just get them off the queue as I can. Right. And
1: think about how much that could save in terms of you know you're a small startup or you're just a developer yeah. trying to get your project yeah. going you don't want to have to deal with like a, a my sql database that can you know that can can cons- that can support thousands yeah. of concurrent connections. you know just and so this is a perfect solution where you know that yeah. just that one thing you know potentially saves saves you a lot of time and maybe even a hundred or more dollars a month on the like resources you would need to be able to support all right. that it, concurrent
0: activity and the AWS awsq in that case is so cheap it's right. amazing. And, and if I restart the server, all the jobs are still on the queue if I right. need to get, get back to work. Right. Um, the last one is we kind of mentioned this side with the importing files and whatnot, but just, you know, long running jobs when you're running at the command level, because uh, when you're running a queue, you're basically at the command line PHP level. Uh, it's really easier to have those jobs just run for uh numerous numerous minutes. Uh, I don't know if there's a limit i mean it's whatever the config file is right um, but it can just keep running and get the job done
1: yeah that's really good we we've definitely you, you do have to check the limit depending on what provider you're using or what your setup is, but we've had jobs that run up to ten minutes. Um, yeah. for yeah. some of the longer tasks that we're doing, it's been, yeah.
0: been really great. Well, and I mentioned that in the gotchas, like things to look out for is, is that, you right. know, like how long can it run before, uh, the, the job becomes visible in the queue again for other things to pick up. Right. So, um, the next section is how to implement. So again, we've mentioned a few of them. So, uh, with Laravel, we have drivers, and you have a sync driver or S-Y-N-K. You have a database driver. You have Amazon drivers. You have Iron drivers, and that just abstracts how we communicate to the queue out so we don't need to think about it. Right. Um, and so the sync driver, we can just run locally, and it, it runs synchronously, and therefore when you uh, put a job in a queue, it's actually just going to happen. So you, you, you don't have to worry about setting up a queue um, now that it's amazing, it's almost perfect. Um, uh, you know, but remember, um, for me, I've I've had gotchas where I ran into a timing issue when I finally pushed to staging. Right. Um, that the particular job I was at had uh, uh, you know a hundred and twenty second visibility, and the jobs were taking five minutes, and I didn't right. catch it. So they when they were duplicating. Um, so I had like issues like that. So it's a great solution. It's just, um, it has to, you have to consider the context of not working on something exactly how you're going to get it uh, out to the uh, final system.
1: Yeah. What can we do for, um, people who want to learn more about cues and how to implement cues? One, one resource that I was really great for me, um, was Laracast actually. Yeah. And you can they actually, uh, have, have things on each of these. You, you can look general S, you know, SQS. So Amazon SQS, you're interested in beanstalk. They have that iron forge rabbit. Um, so that's a good place if you're, if you're just kind of getting into it. Yeah. Um,
0: and they might be free. A lot of those videos are free. Right. So, right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Laracast is a great place to just kind of watch and wrap your head around it. Um, uh, and with that, for us, you know, vagrant homestead virtual machines. Um, once you have Ubuntu running, uh, it's, it's quite easy to just set up Beanstalk uh, in there or uh, supervisor. Um, for us, it's it's um, I use sync on Homestead so much, I don't even know. Which yeah, one. I think I've installed Beanstalk on Homestead and it was fine, um, right? So, uh, and then Um, So that really gets us going uh, to work locally if we want a real queue. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so it's funny uh, just thinking like, wow, I haven't had to set up a queue in a while because we use AWS queues, right? Right. So we use AWS SQS, and before that we were using Iron um, uh, MQ. Um, So uh, we didn't have to set up anything on our machines um, on the servers except... Uh, Supervisor D. Um, so that that made the whole process um, fairly easy. Um, so, so basically, once you have a queue running, Beanstalk D, uh, Iron, F- or Forge, or whatever, all Laravel had to do for us was it showed us a command to tell Supervisor D to keep... Um, it, it, there's a path to a, a command to say, hey, keep this daemon running. And that daemon's pretty interesting because... Um, it just spins around and around saying, is there a job in the queue? No. And then it goes to sleep for X amount of seconds and then wakes back up. And one of the gotchas later on we'll talk about is you have to restart your queues. And this daemon was pretty interesting because when you run restart, it sets a new cache time. And so if the daemon wakes up and says, time to check the queue, but wait, is the timestamp different than before? If so, then it's time to restart. Right. It was a very nice, uh, simple way to, to do this. And so, um, we have all this stuff. It's just so easy and, and you can add multiple supervisor D's. We have sometimes more than one queue for different jobs. Right. Um, so, uh, so we just have a whole bunch running and, and again, it's, I, I, some of these things have made it unbelievably easy, like forge and whatnot, but even with SQS, we have it to a place where I feel like it's, it's fairly seamless. Like we don't yeah. think about it. Yeah. One problem we did run into, I guess this
1: is kind of a gotcha, but, um, with the, with the AWS, and I suppose this would happen with others too. If you are going to do, if you're not going to use sync on your local and you work on a bigger team, you have to be careful because, um, if you're all using like a development queue for an example, um, other people's computers, like other local machines will take items off of your queue. Like, so if three of us are sharing a queue, um, you, you, you may end up getting what you think is a bug, but it's not, it's someone else's machine is just, and then if you're not careful about it, you'll end up with a scenario where like, you don't know what machine is like eating items off your queue. So you'll have like some, someone's local machine somewhere that's like making jobs disappear on the development server or whatever. So you have to be careful. We we learned that very early out on, you have to be careful about uh, where you, where you're pointing your local machine to take items off a queue.
0: Yeah, hopefully you're using your local machine. Right. Uh, But yeah, it totally could happen. Um, So uh, another thing that we do is sometimes we use S3 if payload is kind of large. Yeah. S3 has a few advantages in that since it's just JSON, you're just dumping the file there. And you can easily have other uh, technologies take that file, Lambda, Python, whatever, um, but for us, it also can be file size or message size that you don't want to stick into a queue, which has like a 256k limit, yeah. which seems huge. Um, but if you have that problem, you can always just put the file on S3 and then the 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 put put in the queue the fact that it's there, and then the particular service getting the job off the queue will say, okay, great, I'm going to go get the file. Right. So it's a nice way to uh, just pass. Large payloads, but uh, before you even need to worry about that, don't, because it's really rare. I haven't seen yeah. too many payloads hit that. Um, but they do, and, and, uh, and then just you could do that. Um, yeah, so that's a good one.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely.
0: Uh, so the next thing is uh, how to deploy. I think I mentioned that, like uh, Laravel makes it so simple. Yep. Um, we just get that daemon running on a machine, and, and it just gets the jobs off the queue or restarts it as we deploy
1: Yep. If you're feeling a little more ambitious, you we one of the things we've done, and this by no means is required for dealing with queues, but um, Ansible is great for uh, making it so that you can kind of set these things up on the computer or on the server yep. rather and just kind of. Uh, they just happen, it just ha- you know it's just scripts it, yeah, uh, that's, been but on really nice. my
0: personal stuff, forget it. I just go to Forge and uh click a few buttons, and I have endless amounts of queues running that's <laughs> it's true. just that's why true. you know uh that stuff is awesome, yeah, uh, so yeah, so make your choices and 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 take take the easy route <laughs> at first, um enjoy those services that are so cheap. Uh, and, and then you know, just get those things running and restarted as you as you deploy. Yeah. Um, and you want to restart as you deploy because the particular queue is is basically an instance of your application running in memory, um, so that it doesn't know you made file system level changes. So you're restarting it so it refreshes uh, the files. Uh, and on production uh, deployments, you you also sometimes for Laravel have to say config clear uh, because Laravel uh, is caching some things for configuration reasons. Uh, which has spent a few hours of my day figuring out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, okay. So, some more gotchas, because I actually just jumped into there. I don't know how. Um, <laughs> so, basically, the big gotcha, we, we both experienced was SNS formatting. Right. So, what happened to you there? You you spent some time on that.
1: Yeah. So, it turns out that if you, uh, w- and I don't know if this is still true with the latest version of Laravel, oh, yeah. by the way. but It is. Yeah. It, it is still okay. Well, because well, so, it
0: can't be any other way, right? Right. Yeah. Going to what you're. So
1: I'll explain about. the issue. So so, queues um, uh, are not nothing specific to Laravel. Um, what what layer? One of the things that Laravel provides for you though is what they call self-handling queues, um, which will and generally even when you're not using self-handling cues, they they have a specific format in the payload that tells the system t- tells Laravel wh- which class to use to process the queue. So if you look at the payload, you know, in addition to sending over like the ID and the body and the title and whatever fields you have for whatever the job is you're doing, um, it'll also send over like a, like a, a firing class. So it'll, it yeah. you'll, if you look in it, you can see that it would say like, you know, one of my, my, my job to process that queue might be called like um, process email, you know, or, or, or send email notifications. Um, so, 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 so and then, you know, you can actually specify the method that you're going to, uh, call to, uh, so it'd be like at at handle or at fire. And, and that's how Laravel knows when it gets the job back in, uh, to the system, what to do with it. Well, Uh, so, so one of the problems is, is that when you're using SNS, SNS is great. For those of you who don't know what it is, it's basically a message broker, um, and you can subscribe you can push messages to an SNS topic and it will push them out to any queues that are subscribed to it. So it's a beautiful thing. Um, you can use it to communicate, uh, with internal parts of your application with external parts of your application. Uh, it's really nice. Um, and there's a way, you know, AWS has all kinds of ways to automate that. Um, but one of the downsides is, is the way that the, the, the for, that's obviously not, uh, doesn't have Laravel specific formatting in the way that SNS, uh, communicates so the question becomes like, how do you get Laravel to respond to that in the way that you want? And this is a common problem. It's actually not just with SNS because if you're syncing up with another team, for example, that's using some other language or some other framework besides Laravel, and you're trying to do what Al was talking about earlier in the in the episode, where you're using a queue to be that kind of connector, that bridge, where they're going to drop off a, a, a JSON payload for you for you, you're going to pick it up and process, and you guys have agreed on what the you know what's going to be in there. Um, and you don't care what technologies are on either end of it. Um, well, Laravel w- w- prefers to have like, it, it, by default, it needs to have that, um, that class in there. So that in the, in the payload, so it knows what to do. Um, so we ended up having to put together a, a kind of custom, um, package that overrides the default queue functionality, uh, on Laravel and allows you to, uh, basically map a, um, an incoming SNS payload um, to a specific handler to handle that. And, payload.
0: and I'll link to another package that does that. So it's not a big problem. It's just having the, that package in place to say, hey, this payload doesn't have a key called you know, class or something or job. And therefore, I don't know what class to use, right? right? So what you're saying is that the library we made but ended up finding one too, it can it just knows, hey, I know what to do with this. Right. Uh, and and turns it to something we know what to do with. But when you look at these payloads, you're really not SNS, but Laravel in general. It's so simple. It's just keys and values, and the keys are like, you know, basically tell Laravel what's my class name, what's the data for this, and even to the point of uh, rehydrating, uh, you know, objects and so forth. Right, right. Uh, it's really it's really simple stuff. When elegant and in simple in that way, you know. Right, right. So yeah, SNS is a got you. Restarting the queue is a got you again. Um, just when you deploy new code, you've got to restart your queues and it's one command for Laravel and it's not so much you're restarting the queues, like I always thought that, but you're restarting just the daemon running. So, um, so, uh, yeah. And, and you're not even restarting supervisor because I was, I was wondering that, like, how do you restart a supervisor command when you're not root? Um, so that was simple. Um, uh, yeah. And I talked about the timestamp stamp. So... One thing we've run into is that, my notes are horrible here, is that when we use SQS, um, you have to um, authenticate. And so because the daemon is just running around every 120 seconds, I think it is, I forget the number. Um, if we have a problem with authentication, we've had our logs just fill up to gigabyte sizes. Because uh, every 120 seconds it's dumping in a huge error message why it can't connect to SQS. So that's another gotcha is... Um, just managing your logs, and obviously you just don't want that happening. But just it's gotten us on a few jobs, and it's all always been easy to fix. And I wish we've we now have a logging system and other things to help see logs outside of the server, so that stuff might not happen as much anymore. Yeah, um, maybe we don't have a good way yet to uh, notify us that hey, I've seen this error twenty times. Something's <laughs> going on here. Right. So I guess we haven't had, had bug snag and incoming. So I don't know if we have those right now. Yeah. So. Uh, did those show up in incomings or, uh, bug snag, yeah. I mean, cause they're exceptions. Uh, yeah. But
1: bug snag would. Yep. And you could actually, uh, toggle like where, when you wanted to receive those. Like if you want, you know, if you want to see, receive them after a hundred or after yeah. 10 or whatever. So
0: yeah, nice. Yeah. All right. Um, it, let's see. There's a few more here. Uh, for forgot. anything you, uh, that strikes you
1: um i think we've talked about all the major ones that i that i'm aware of um
0: visibility timeout is easy to change on them right um basically that means you took a job off a queue and in in x amount of minutes it's going to show back up on the queue for another worker to take it on as if the worker crashed or something went wrong Uh, and it might even have other technical reasons um but basically you don't want that visibility limit to be or timeout to be less than how long a job takes to run otherwise you'll get multiple things running that job right and that has hurt me a lot like i'm like why is this happening five times and then i realized you know it's just simply that right so yeah no i guess
1: the other thing i would mention that's related to that is um the the retries so you can have uh, you can have a um you can you can set a setting so that if there's a an exception or the job doesn't finish as a success for whatever reason it'll retry a certain number of times and then after you know you you specify whatever that is so it might be three times i think it
0: defaults to three but yeah yeah Yeah, that's an interesting one I, i don't know if i feel comfortable yet uh with how i handle that um you know, we have the dead letter queue, which is a place you could put failed jobs. But I don't know if I really have confidence about that workflow for me, um, you know. in yep. uh, the whole three tries thing, yeah, I mean, fine. Three tries and you stick it in the failed letter queue or the failed queue. And uh, do I really have the right demons listening to it and getting the jobs off of there? I don't think I do, you know. Right. Uh, consistently have that set up. Uh, we have those things in place, but I don't know if we have a good testing pattern for it, you know. Right. Um, but yeah, that's a good one. The, uh, retries is, is pretty neat. Um, uh, though by then, you know, yeah, I wonder why you would have to try something more than once before you're like, Hey, this something's wrong here. (laughs) Yeah. I I guess maybe if you're, yeah. What were you gonna say?
1: Well, if you're dealing with like a finicky API that you don't have any control over. Yeah. Like Marketo or other things. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Really good point. So, um, I, and I could also see if you're like, we, we also did some work where, um, so we were dealing with Dynamo database and, oh, yeah. and yeah. The, 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 the quantity of reads and writes that we were needing to do <laughs> yeah. was so high that yeah. it, was, it was literally going to cost like thousands of dollars a month to, yeah. run this, uh, to run this process. And what we could do is we could uh, instead we could let it fail. And yeah, we could catch yeah. those exceptions and just try again. Really Literally nice. milliseconds later would.
0: Or hours. You could be like, yeah. hey, I, I need this to not happen for a while because right. The charges too I Yeah, right. that's a good
1: one. But all they care about or the way they, they, the way they charge it was like peak. So it really just delaying it by like 500 milliseconds, wow. it, would, it would go through after that. Um, so wow. that would be like one use case potentially where you might use that.
0: Yeah. And and that brings up the whole, um, like timing, like you could send jobs later on into the queue if you needed right. to like, Hey, this person just signed up. I want to e- email them in two days or an hour. Right,
1: You can set a delay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they have priorities. I've never really used priorities. Um, no. high, low, um, I tend to just set up more than one queue. But yeah. Then that's that's what have done too. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, that's, that's some of the gotchas. Um, but it's really, really worth it, and the power it gives you or the flexibility it gives you in thinking of of designs and ideas, uh, it, it's quite worth it, uh, getting comfortable with cues. Um, yeah. No way about it. I, I would never be as far as I am right now building things if I didn't have uh, that that comfortableness with cues, and it was a hard hurdle to get over. I remember... Uh, just well, not wanting to do it not wanting to rely on an external service or not you uh, complicate things you know yeah um, doing a little bit more with push queues where something's gonna um, push back to me instead of like uh, you know uh, right uh, you know pulling out there having another game right. and just running. Which,
1: by the way, will get a lot of people. That's actually another gotcha because, I mean, I had the same – I felt the same way. Like uh, I really was – in. I, for whatever reason, I was really into the callback model where yeah. you're literally yeah. posting back yeah. to uh, your application when you're done with a job or, or things yeah. like that. And, um, you know, which obviously works, but the, it's just got huge downfalls. I mean, you, you know, if first of all, down. you could, you, mm-hmm. yeah, if you, if, if you go down, you just lose that data. Yeah. Like someone's going to give you that callback and you're just going to miss it. Um, but also uh, what got us was, uh, if your application ends up, uh needing to scale like you oh, yeah. you know you're planning on having a you know hundred callbacks, and suddenly you know a bunch of people decide to use your site that day and you end up getting a thousand callbacks and like you'll take your own site down
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? yeah no it's a really good point it's it's uh those callbacks were fun to do, and they still are for little things but man the the using a queue it's almost like another like you know tool in the, like it's like almost like another body part in our thing, yeah you know it's yeah. just there and just it's usable right um so, yeah, so definitely, yeah, it's definitely, definitely worth getting over those hurdles. Um, but what we'll do is we'll post the show notes and we'll include some links, I think, uh, to some of the things we brought up for sure, like the supervisor settings, a link to the SNS or the uh, alternative, like, queue format for Laravel yep. and other things. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully this will get some people going on queues. I might do a tutorial later on in the year, but... That'd be great. Uh, so many things on the list. Uh, yeah. yeah. Laracast has so many good videos anyway, so it might not matter. Right. All right. I I guess that's it. Um, Yeah. That new uh, tech radar is out, so we could hit on that soon. It's uh, some good topics in there, so maybe we'll tackle that one shortly.
1: All right, everybody. Talk to you next time.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the show. If you can just take a moment to rate us on iTunes, it's a big, big help. Or you can follow us on Twitter at DevsHangout and tweet about the show. Another way is to visit our website at developershangout.io. Leave comments, suggestions, and see show notes. Uh, it really helps us to get the feedback, keeps us focused, gives us ideas, gives us energy for the next show. And once more, we just want to say thanks to our sponsors, Art, for putting out a great magazine every month and including us in it. Thanks again. See you next show.